Good morning, City Life. Good morning, Church. Good morning, everyone, all of the people out there that we love and we miss. I'm so grateful to be uh, able to give out our word for this morning, even remotely again, as I'm still learning to preach to the iPhone, hoping that it uh, reaches soft hearts. Um, and so, yeah, it's my pleasure. My name is Pedro Reese, and I'm the acting lead pastor of City Life Church, and uh, I miss all of you. I miss being together. I really miss normal life and uh, for however long this is gonna be like this however long we have to do church this way please know that uh, we're praying for you we're here and we're also reachable uh, through all the different ways that we're communicating uh, and over our website or emails everything we love you we uh, wish that we could be together but here we are we find ourselves here and so uh, as a pastor as a preacher I've really been every week thinking about okay do we stay in mark do we have do we go somewhere else do we go to something that might be talking about a, a something more pertinent to where we are? Uh, and I've also learned as a believer, not even just as a pastor, but as a believer, as someone who loves Jesus, uh, someone who follows him and, and reads his words, I've really been learning to a new degree how scripture talks to us exactly where we are, no matter what is happening. You know, if scripture can be talking to you right now in this global pandemic, this super unique time in our lives, God willing, the only time we have to go through something like this, then uh, scripture <laughs> can talk to you anytime. It can talk to you in every season. That's why it's lasted so long. That's why its authority can never be removed. That's why it's more than just the book. And how many thousands of years old is this book? It's incredible. And it speaks to the hearts of people in every season, in every age, in every century. And uh, that will not stop. And so we're preaching through the word that God has given us. He told us to finish Mark, and we are on our way. We will be done with Mark soon, hopefully, and with only a couple months away, um, because it has something very powerful to tell you about how, the life that Jesus lived and what it means for you and me in this world in our day. And so, yeah, I pray that today's word continues to do that, continues to speak to us where we're at. You know, I was talking to my coach this week. Uh, the, my coach from the district, Pastor Soper, and I was like, I don't know how today's word, it's, this week's word is going to be applied. I don't know if I have to go elsewhere. And then he was like, uh, Pedro, you're preaching about what Jesus said about divorce. And now that families are so close together, now that they're spending so much time, now that so many different outlets and obstacles are removed, this word speaks to us where we are very profoundly and in a way that I think if we weren't in quarantine season, then um, we wouldn't have grasped the necessity of this. You know, this is a, a unique time. I, we keep on saying that. That's the best way that I, I have to say. It's a unique time uh, where uh, us as families, we're close together right now. We are bunched up and we're spending much more time with one another. And so this season, uh, I pray, is a season where, of reconnection, of going deeper, of enjoying your family, of enjoying your spouse, of enjoying your kids, or roommates, or friends uh, from afar. Now, I pray that this is a season where good decisions are being made in our marriages, good decisions are being made in our relationships. Um, and God's work in, is going to speak powerfully to us about that today, I know, because uh, a lot of us are struggling, even healthy, great marriages are facing things that they've never faced before right now not running around not being distracted with this or that 
but a lot of that has been removed. So what does God have to tell us about divorce and in turn also about marriage? What does the word of God tell us? And so today we're going to be in Mark 10. We finally finished Mark 9. We're in Mark 10 now. And uh, we're going to be reading verses 1 through 11. And so if you take out your phone or your Bible, read it with me. Uh, but this is what God's word says. Mark 10, 1, starting at 1 says, And he left there and went through the region of Judea and beyond the Jordan, and crowds gathered to him again. And again, as was his custom, he taught them. And Pharisees came up, and in order to test him, asked, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? He answered them, What did Moses command you? They said, Moses commanded a man to write a certificate of divorce and send, to her, and send her away. And Jesus said to them, Because of your hardness of heart, he wrote you this commandment. But from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. And in the house, of the, and in the, house the disciples asked him again about this matter. And he said to them, Whoever divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery against her. And if she divorces her husband and marries another, she commits adultery. And so please pray with me so we can enter into this word together. Jesus, I thank you for this day. And I thank you uh, that you meet us even though we are spread around the city, around this county, around the state, anywhere that we're at, Lord. Lord, I pray that you would meet us in this time. I pray that your word would speak to us like it never has before, Lord. I pray that we would come alive, and I pray that our marriages and our relationships will come alive like never before. I pray that the covenant relationship that we enter into with you, Lord, will shine forth like it never has in our lives before. Lord, please let this truth get deep within our souls. Help this truth to revolutionize the way we live life, Lord. And while we are afar and we can't be with one another, please take care of our relationships, take care of our loved ones, take care of our family. And Lord, I pray a special prayer over our marriages right now, that you would uh, strengthen them, that this wouldn't be a time of tearing down, but a time of building up. So we love you. We, we commit ourselves to you. Holy Spirit, please empower me to preach this word to us today. Trust that your word will go out and uh, bear fruit in the marriages and in our relationships with you, Jesus. I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, guys, so today we are going to be preaching about divorce. But more than just divorce, we're going to also be talking about marriage. I have been so convicted in my studying this week about how, yes, we're going to talk about divorce, and we're going to get to that. We're going to talk about the effects of sin. But we're also going to talk about marriage and what God planned for marriage, why he gave it to us, why he instilled it as such a big part of his narrative all over his word, and why this is an idea that he keeps going back to over and over and over again. You know, beautiful uh, marriage is a beautiful and a sacred bond. We're going to be talking about that. It's this special relationship that two people enter into, a man and a woman. Um, but I also want to address a couple of things ahead of time because marriage, I know, can be, marriage and divorce can be a hard topic. It can be really painful. It can bring a lot of things up, either from your past or where you're at right now. And so let me just say this one thing. I really, really want to say that if you find yourself reading this and you're not married, let me just say that your life is not a failure because you are not married. 
that the ultimate goal in life is not to be married. That is a great thing, a God-given thing, but that is not the ultimate goal of your life. If you're not married and you've always wanted to be, or you're young and you hope to be soon, let me just say that marriage is not anything that will make you complete, and that your life is not a failure, that you are not living less successfully than the rest of us. No, you are not a failure if you're not married. If you want to be married and you're just not, it does not mean that you are not lovable. It does not mean that your identity has been changed or that God looks at you differently or that any person should look at you differently. That is not what it's about. There are way too many marriages out there that have come to be that should have never been in the first place. And so know today that your identity, your worth, is not tied into you being married. You are lovable and you are deserving of being treated well. You know, marriage is not, you don't enter into it because you're deemed worthy enough or because you're good enough or because you're lovable enough. You enter into marriage because God gives it to us. And so if it just hasn't happened in your life or if you're still longing for it and you want it to happen, God can give us all perfect gifts. And so rely on God for those promises that you are holding on to. Um, but know that your worth is never changed one bit because of the person that you call your husband and or your wife. It is a good gift that God gives, but it does not change your value. You know, and I also wanted to give a little word today about the scope of this sermon. When we talk about marriage and divorce, it could be so many different things, but I really feel like God is telling me to speak on what marriage really is. And so I'm not going to be talking today about same-sex marriage, though there is a time for that. And I, this it won't be an exhaustive list of, oh, I, you can get divorced for this, you can't get divorced for that. No, it will not be that. And I also won't even touch on marriage roles. You know, the, the things that all, all people come up with to say, okay, men do this, men, women do that. Uh, this is not the sermon for that. You know, it's not about being egalitarian or complementarian. Uh, if you don't know what that means, you should Google it. So it's a good thing. But today, the sermon is, sermon is about God instilling marriage and what he sees as marriage and what he says is good and why he gave it to humanity in the first place and why it is such a central metaphor that he uses all throughout his scripture. It is a great thing. It's a powerful thing. It's a loving thing. And so let's see what God has to say to us about this. And so let's jump in. And the first thing we really have to talk about that even jumps out at our passage today is uh, what a lot of people call a one flesh union. So let's let's talk about where we are in our passage right now really quick. Let's talk about what's going on. Here Jesus goes to Judea and he says, like always, people gather around him and they want to hear him preach. So he starts teaching them because he just uh, does. That's what he does. And this group of Pharisees, they come up to him and test him. And we'll talk about this in a little bit, but that they would even use divorce as a test, that divorce is even something that they could use for their gain. Uh, shows a lot about where the Pharisees are and their hearts throughout all of their interaction with Jesus. But then they go to him and they say like, hey, Jesus, um, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? And then Jesus asks them a simple question. He says, what did Moses tell you? Because he wrote all of the laws and he gave them the laws. And he's, they said, yeah, Moses allowed. If you give them a, a certificate of divorce, they're free. You're free to send them out. Um, and Jesus says this. He responds in verse 5. Because of your hardness of heart, he wrote you this commandment. So right there is like God's heart 
for creation is not divorce. It's not the splitting up of this sacred union, of this really powerful union between man and wife. Uh, but then he goes on to say, But from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother, hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. And I, I love this. Like it, To me, if somebody came up to me and was testing me about marriage, I would not go to creation. I would not take the left turn and go talk about creation. But Jesus does here. He links marriage with creation. And that's really, really interesting. You know, Jesus starts quoting Genesis 2. Uh, and, and let's read that really quick. Genesis 2, verses 23 to 25. Jesus says, Then the man said, this at, this at last is bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. Like, I love this when, when the Pharisees come up to him and they're like, Jesus, can we divorce our wives? Can we just, can we leave them? Can, I don't know, can we do unhealthy things? And Jesus starts talking to them about creation. No, and I love this. I love that Jesus did this. Jesus is brilliant like he always is. Here, and the reason he's doing this is because it's talking about the first time scripture talks about this one flesh union. I absolutely love, and I did not know about this until this week, but here in, in Genesis 2 and verse 23 is the first words ever recorded by humanity. Now, I'm sure they were talking to God here right before this, Adam is naming all the animals, and so he was speaking, but God in the formation of his book, in the formation of how he was telling his story, the first thing that, was, that God ever deemed worthy of saying, okay, you know what, I want everyone to know that, was when Adam was given Eve and the reaction was this overflow of love and joy that Adam had the first thing a man has ever said in scripture that was ever recorded and given to us is this poem that Adam speaks over Eve that he is just so in love or he is just so blown away by this woman and by what God gave him uh, that it's incredible this at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh she shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. You know, we need to talk about this one flesh. <laughs> we need to talk about what God says in his word, that when you find a wife, you find a good thing. You know, for women, when you find a husband, you find a good thing. And so let's unpack this one flesh union a little bit because there are some implications that go down to our very souls. First one being that when you enter into this covenant relationship with someone, that you're leaving behind all other relational bonds. That you are placing every other relationship that you ever have below your relationship with your husband or with your wife. No, this does not include God. God is always above. That he supersedes any fleshly or mortal relationship. God is always first. But under God, you put every other relationship aside and you say, this is my spouse. This is the person that I am becoming one to. And so the marriage call is this beautiful call. That Adam here, was he was serving. He was doing what God told him. He was naming the animals. And then God saw that he was alone. 
that God spoke everything into creation, every atom, every planet, every star, every tree, every pair of animal. God created, Adam named him, and then he, God said, you know what, he's alone. That is not good. Let me give him a partner. And Adam's love and his joy just came out when he saw Eve, and he um, was given a good thing. You know, I also want to be clear with one thing. Marriage in Scripture does not say that you are completed as a person, but it is always a good gift that you're given from God. That this bond, you leave all other familiar relationships. Here it talks about this passage and in Mark, it talks about how uh, the, the man shall leave his father and his mother, the very people who gave him life, the very people that he owes everything to. He says, Mom, Dad, I love you guys, but this is my home. This is my wife. This is my family. And you become one flesh. That even down to your souls, they get tied together. And that you become not two people anymore, but the same. You know, the second implication of a one flesh union that I, I love is that all of your identification now gets tied to this one person. No, you, you no longer should. I wonder what happened if we had this practice in our culture where we went around saying, you know what? Hi, my name is Pedro and my wife is Anne. That you will never know me without knowing my wife because we are so close and that we're so one. Imagine if we just went around and introduced ourselves that because people, they have to know that you, you are not just you. I am not just me. Hi, I'm Pedro, I'm a pastor. Or hi, I love sports. Or hi, this, no. That everything is tied into this one person with me. That you will not know me unless you also know my wife. This is a beautiful thing. This is a God-given thing. And there also, this creates areas and importance of that you can't hide anything out of this bond. That you need to be so tied to this one person that, goodness, that nothing is hidden, that everything is open, that all your support comes from this one person, that this one person leads you to Christ every day. Uh, I love this idea in one of the commentaries I wrote. That he says, when you find your wife or when you find your husband, because Eve came out of the rib of Adam, it's like you're returning to your own body. It's like you're, you're, your body is being made complete again. Is that you've been living through life, you've been doing good things, you've been doing what God has for you, and that's great, amazing. And then when you find this spouse, you find the rest of your body. And I love that picture. I love that picture of what how scripture, of how God tells us that we need to relate. The call of marriage is so deep in scripture and it's so beautiful. You know, Jesus goes on in, in our Mark passage today to talk about uh, what happens with the divorce. He, they, go, they go aside and the disciples ask him to teach him a little bit about it. And he says, whoever divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery against her. And if she divorces her husband and marries another, she commits adultery. And it's this idea of, you know what, even this earthly device of divorce that sometimes is necessary, sometimes is healthy, um, sometimes should happen. But this bond is so not easily broken, if that even is a good sentence, I don't know, uh, that this bond is not broken so much as so that even after divorce, you, this, this bond is still there. And what a hard bond to break when you have entangled your soul with someone willingly and on purpose and through love. That is a righteous call. That is a good call. And it is a good thing when you find a spouse. But we also know that we live in this broken world. We also know that this one flesh unit is so hard. Even in good, healthy relationships, mature, healthy people, it is hard. It's hard to keep up. 
And that's because sin has entered and corrupted this whole world. And we need to talk about this second point, which I've been calling the fall of the union. So in this fall of union, we see that sin has permeated every area of life, every area of who we are, and it does that even within our marriages. Uh, let's, let's go back to an idea that I introduced. In verses 2 and 3, it says, And the Pharisees came up, and in order to test him, asked, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? He answered them, What did Moses command you? They said, Moses allowed for a man to write a certificate of divorce and to send her away. Now, I think it's so indicative. It so uh, shows where the Pharisees were in this moment. And also, in a lot of ways, our heart and our nature, that our hearts are just get so hard that sin just wreaks havoc all, in all of who we are and how that goes into our marriages and in our relationship and even in our covenant commitment to Jesus. And that it just like distorts everything. That the that the that the Pharisees would ever even think that divorce was something a political move or a theological question to trick Jesus and to gain some ground on him or anything like that, to me is like so indicative of where their hearts were, how broken they were, how against God and God's will they were, and and in a lot of ways that like shows through our lives too. And so uh, just like Jesus took us to Genesis, back to creation, uh, we also have to go back to creation when talking about the fall when it comes to our, our relationships and our marriages. You know, the fall came in chapter 3 when Adam and then Eve took of the apple. Uh, but let's read, we have to read um, chapter 3, verses 16. When God was talking to Eve, this was directed to her, but it really talks not only to her, not only to women, but to humanity and, and our relationships. 16 verse 16 says, To the woman he said, I will surely multiply your pain and childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. Now men, this is in no way any excuse for men to ever say, you know what, I rule my house, I rule my woman, God has put me above her. And a lot of translations, just it just is really highlighting this issue that, the, that women will battle against men and men will battle against women and we will all deal with it in different ways. You know, and there's a time and a place to talk about that more specifically. But today, what does that mean for our marriage? That even in our marriages, like, this beautiful union that Jesus has given us, that God has given us, that he put in his very own creation story, that he gave Adam a spouse, that he gave Adam a partner and a helper is what Genesis says. Uh, and sin just creeps into that. And we are in this battle, that our hearts are just battling. And that oftentimes we are just struggling with one another. We're struggling to make sense of it. We're struggling for in our own needs. But thank God that he doesn't just leave us there, you know. Uh, he gave us a whole book in the Bible that talks about, uh, I know this isn't a great church word, but erotic love and, and desire and, and how that's a good thing. God made us for that. He made us to be able to enjoy those things. But if you turn with me to Song of Songs in chapter 8, verse 6, it also addresses something in terms of sin and how that influences our, our relationships. You know, Song of Songs 8. I encourage you all actually to read Song of Songs this week. Read it. It's a good word about marriage, about uh, our hearts, our conditions, how God made us to long for, 
for relationship and marriage and intimacy and sexual intimacy is a good thing. But this is also the catch when it comes to these types of relationships. Uh, Song of Songs 8 verse 6. Set me as a seal upon your heart, as a seal upon your arm. For love is strong as death, jealousy is fierce as the grave. And that in relationships, there's a risk. There's a risk built into forming these types of relationships. There's a risk in a marriage. You're putting yourself out there. You're putting your soul. You're, you're bringing your whole soul and your whole being to a person. And there's risk that that won't turn out well. There's risk that you will be hurt. And there's even like people who hurt the other person first so that they are not the ones who are hurt. And so sin really just permeates all of who we are into our marriage relationships. And we hurt one another. You know, many times in life, our, the people closest to us are the ones who are going to hurt us the most. And it's an unfortunate thing. And it's something that we repent of and you should be repenting of in, this se- in every season whenever that happens. But there's a lot of risk involved in relationships. There's a lot of risk in this covenant from man to woman that you're putting yourself out there. And it's hard. It's hard because sometimes you're not evenly yoked. And sometimes uh, one person is stronger than the other. And sometimes there are even infidelity or abuse and hard things that God and that we have to address and we can't ignore. And there's a lot that scripture says about that. But also let's go to this one area uh, that is so profound when God talks about marriage, when Paul addresses it in one of his epistles. This I've just been calling the mystery. I was reading in one of my commentaries this week uh, about marriage and about uh, just trying to learn, trying to figure this thing out, trying to bring this to us. Um, and they, one of the commentators that I wrote said that all questions about Christian marriage, you know, theological questions, hermeneutical questions, practical questions, need to run through Ephesians 5. That Ephesians 5 is the one area in the New Testament that you have to turn to for answers when we're talking about marriage, when we're talking about these big and important things. That uh, Ephesians 5 contains writing about the mystery and the profoundness of marriage. And so I figured if this guy's bold enough to say that, to write that, we got to talk about Ephesians 5. And, and turns out, oh, Ephesians 5 is a great passage. I, I really like Ephesians 5, and probably a lot of us are familiar with it. So really, read the whole chapter. I'm giving you some homework assignments. Read Song of Songs. Read Ephesians 5, uh, because they, they're really powerful. Read the whole chapter, but I'm going to start from chapter 5, verses 25 to 33. It says, Husbands, love your wives, as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself for no one ever hated his own flesh but nourishes and cherishes it just as christ does the church because we are the members of his body therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife 
and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, who, however, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let his wife see that she respects her husband. Not this mystery, this profoundness about marriage. You know, here we talk about again that a man shall leave his mother and father, and they should cling to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. It's this call again, over and over and over again, about this one flesh idea that marriage is entering into this covenant that you are one flesh, one entity one person moving towards god and other people together uh, that it's a mystery but also this mystery now becomes something special in the life of the church you know this is why this this sermon is not just for those of us who are married or who want to be married one day but this is also for all people in all times you know why because you are if you belong to christ you are already a part of a marriage and it's this mystery that our, our man to woman our humanly marriages reflect the relationships that we are able to have with jesus it is incredible it is so beautiful you know i read that um all of our imagination about jesus about marriage all the good things that marriages could be and the things that we long for in marriages are reflections of, of our relationship with christ our individual relationship with christ but also the global church's relationship you see jesus came here and he I have a sermon about this and when I preached it once at City Life and I will preach it again at some point because I love it. But everything that Jesus did, his whole ministry was wrapped around how someone in his day would become engaged to someone and marry someone. And so that everything about Jesus and what he did for us and even in your relationships, in your marriage, that Jesus is um, reflecting himself through that and also teaching you about him and your relationships. You know, so if you're married and you believe in Jesus, how does that cause you to live? Husbands, how are you so loving your wives, giving yourself up for her? Women, how are you giving yourself up for, for your husbands? How are you treating them? How, how is this equal relationship reflecting Jesus to you, to your life, and to the people around you? And what does, it, what does your marriage show you about Jesus, about his goodness, about what he came and came and sacrificed for you and for me? That he so loved all of us that he would leave heavenly places. We've been talking about this for weeks now, that he would leave heavenly places. And then everything that he did in some way uh, tied back to how he longed to bring the church to him. How we are his bride and he will bring us unblemished to him. Now, I love this. I love how marriage isn't just this profound bond between a man and a woman, though it is. But it's also this man and this woman living together to better know Christ, living together to better know, show Christ. That even in your marriage, there's this evangelistic call to the people around you, to your married couples, to your single couples. The type of life that you live, how devoted you are to one another is a reflection of how much you love your, your Lord and your Savior. And so know that you are bought with a price. That is, our, that is our title now before God, that Jesus so loved you that he paid a price for your hand in marriage, for my hand in marriage, which for us guys, I know that's a little weird, but we're just going to have to deal with that and learn how, how to do that. That we have this groom in heaven who is just waiting to come back and to bring us to him. 
And so it's this mystery. It's this mystery that somehow our, these relationships that we have with one another in marriage also reflect up back to Christ. And so in this time when we're quarantined, where we're spending more time together, how, what are the decisions that we're making? How are we reflecting our love for Christ by taking care of our spouses, by taking care of the people that we love? How, how is that happening in your life right now? Do you feel like you're succeeding? Me, in my head, I I can't sit still inside for very long, but I am making some intentional decisions to love my wife, to treat her well, to do the best that I can, by doing extra chores, by cleaning and vacuuming, all these things to me, and I think in God's word, reflect how much we're devoted to him, that we so love him, that we are taking care of the person that he has paired us with, because God gives us good things. And so with all of this, we're like, we can't just leave it here. What are we doing with all of this? And so let's just talk about a couple of concluding points and then we'll, we'll get to our prompts for the week. Let me remind us of a couple of things as we close for today. Let me remind you that uh, if you are married, you have entered into a bond with another person that is hard to unbreak, that should not be unbroken that you are called to love and serve your spouse with everything that you have to the point of death, to the point that you feel like you can't anymore, that you are called because, you know what, that reflects your love and what you think about Christ. That the person in front of you, God is calling you to love. God is calling you to die for daily. God is learning for you to, to love and to take care of. That you've chosen to enter into this one flesh relationship. That more and more, day by day, you guys look like one person instead of two people. And so again, I, I just said this briefly, but in this season of where we're so close together, where a lot of families are spending a lot more time than they normally have, you know, be wise over your decisions. Be wise about how uh, you're taking care of your emotions towards your spouse. Be wise with how you treat this person that you say you love so much. Be wise with the things that you see online. Be wise with the things that you entertain in your head. Take care of your spouse, even first by taking care of yourself so that you can be with this person, so that you can cherish this time, so that at the end of this you can say, you know what, I believe in Jesus more, and I also love my spouse more today than I did when all of this happened. Now this can either be a period of time where the enemy wreaks havoc in your marriage. It could also be a time where your marriage becomes stronger than it ever has before. Because you know what, your, our marriages reflect our relationship and our devotion to Jesus. And so, if you're listening to this and you're married, or if you're watching this and you're married, think to yourself, how am I treating my spouse this week? If you're not, you think about, Lord, how am I preparing myself to be a better person married because I love Jesus? And if you're married and you have no desire to, if you're listening and you have no desire to marry, then the call is the same for all of us, to return to our first love, who is Jesus. The one who loved us first, who though we were still sinners, came and died and lived his life here and died for us and took our punishment so that we could be welcomed into his house, so that we as the church, his bride, can be welcomed into 
um, his, his kingdom and his home, that he goes out and prepares a home for us in the Father's house. That is a wedding promise. And so let us um, take care of our spouses. Let us take care of our girlfriends and boyfriends even before we get there. Let us treat every relationship, especially the, the closer ones, um, like we would if they were Jesus. Let's honor them. Let's take care of one another in this season. Let's hold one each other up. When one is weak, one can be strong. And I also pray that we just, at the end of all this, have a strong connection with one another. And so what are we going to do with all this? What are our prompts for this week? Now, I have three things for us to do. After this, go on one of the MC calls or talk to your spouse if you, if you guys need some alone time. But process these three things. The first, why marriage? Uh, very simple. Why, in all of the ways that God could have expressed himself, in all of the ways that he could have tied humanity together, why did he choose marriage? And why is marriage such a recurring thing throughout scripture? Why is it so good? Why is it so affirmed? The second thing, pray for your groom. You know, pray to Jesus, thank him, be thankful that he came down here and that he did everything that he could to marry himself to you and to me, that he came and he established his church, his bride, so that he could take us to heaven, so that he could bring us into his kingdom and to his father's home. You know, pray to better know Jesus through your marriage, through your relationships, uh, through dating or courting or your engagement. Think through those uh, times so that you can better know Jesus, so that you can better live with him and be one with him. And then lastly, Reflect on the mystery of marriage. You know, whether you're married or whether you're not, reflect on the mystery about how this relationship that you can have with another person reflects how you live your life with Christ, how Christ chose to come down here and live his life for you, and the calling that he has on all of our lives to be this one flesh with him. And so go to your MC, into your MC calls with these questions. Go with your spouse later today. Go with your girlfriend and, and boyfriend and talk about it later. We want to be people who think about our relationships. And so I encourage you, get on one of those MC calls. Join me in one of our weekly, uh, three weekly prayer meetings this week. You know, let's, let's not give the enemy any room in our relationships, in, in marriages, um, so that we can better know Jesus and better reflect him in every area of our life. And so City Life, I love you guys. Uh, I will continue to be reaching out to you. We will continue to be here serving. Uh, and we love you. And so I pray that God does powerful things in your marriage this week. Uh, so let's go to our MC calls. We'll see you on one of them. Thank you guys. Love you.